0: This episode originally aired as a part of my other podcast Project Shadow. Over there, I have been doing worldbuilding content for a while and I'm currently moving it all over to this new podcast. New episodes will be appearing soon. I am currently making all of my old content including Worldbuilding 101 and Worldbuilding 201 available on this podcast as season 1 and season 2 of Mythweaving. I hope you enjoy and don't forget to have the fun. Now that we've talked about the archetypes of, our, of the collective unconscious that we're putting in the story and have our first draft of them. And bear in mind, when I say draft, I'm not talking about this in the same sense that you would a novel. This is a draft in that this is our first pass through. We are going to be revisiting each of these steps over and over and over again as we refine and build and build and refine that's all part of the process. So today we're going to talk about some hope. This everything from the solution to the problem, the hero, the inauthentic state and the marvelous element on today's episode of Project Shadow. Hello everyone, how are you doing today? My name is Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and I hope everyone out there is doing well, staying sane, staying safe. We'll get through this together. We will. A little update on me personally. As I said yesterday, I was not feeling very well psychologically. I actually got a good night's sleep last night. I don't know, something righted itself in my head, and I feel a lot better today. Thank you for all the kind words. I am doing better. <laughs> I, I, I am. I'm laughing because it feels weird to say that because, you know, life. <laughs> I almost feel like the answer to all of this is, is now just like, you know, amid. But anyway, so before we get into today's show proper, um, I am very excited to say that what have you called in? So Mosweilen, I hope I pronounce your name properly. I really, really do. Um, so let's go to the call in, and I, I have some announcements, I guess, to make after that. So, hey Charlie, excellent episode. I'm I'm a big um, I don't know if fan is the right word of Jungian archetypes and you know just going into it. So I I was thrilled. I was busy writing notes. Uh, you know, doing you know the, the the four quadrants, the circle, and I want more. I want you know an, an episode just about an you know the shadow archetype, and I want uh, episodes about uh, the hero's journey, right? You know, various phases of that. Keep up the great work. So, thank you. Um, if you're not familiar with Moss work, he is the host of the Story in Mind podcast and the author of the book. Greyhawk of Terrapin, and yeah, I actually do have plans to do this Um, right now. What I'm we're going through right now, I'm considering the 101 course on world building, which is in so many ways the hardest part, and that's coming up with the big grand idea. And when we're done with this, I'm going to start what I'm what I'm calling in my own mind, at least the 201 kind of deeper dive. And in there, we're going to go through the hero's journey. We're going to go through each of the archetypes, and we're going to really dig in into how to enculturate all of the elements that we've come up with so far into a vibrant and living world. So I'm really excited that you're excited about this. Yeah, I love talking About all of this stuff. I love Joseph Campbell and his work. It really got me going. And I I love the work of Carl Jung. I think it's very helpful for us as creatives. And yeah, I'm going to be talking about all of that not too far away, actually. So stay tuned. That is coming. Alrighty. So let us continue on our epic quest for the big picture in our world building, because the main thing that we're doing right now, if you've been paying attention, and if you haven't, if this is your first episode, I have created a playlist on Spotify with all these episodes, or you can just go back in the feed and see all of them. We are building our big picture, the big, big picture that informs all of the decisions that we're going to be making in our world building going forward. Okay. So we have drawn a circle around our, our entity being transformed. We have chosen its subject. We know the value being pursued and the scourge that's haunting the world. We know the state of misfortune, the cause of the problem and the hold fast today. We're turning our eyes to the other side. And this is again, I think a place where a lot of people have issues in their world building. I know one of the most common world building faults that I see when I am reading or watching something is you can tell they started with the hero and not the villain. They started with the good side, not the bad side. And I'm not saying that that it's impossible to do a good story that way, but your heroes will only live up to the level of villainy that they have to overcome. And sometimes when we develop our heroes first or our villains first, we make one or the other way too interesting, way too powerful, and really lopsided. Now, I'm not arguing for a Zoroastrian balance. I'm not arguing for duality. I'm not arguing that there has to be an absolute balance between these things. World building is not necessarily about finding that yin and yang. World building is about finding the harmonies about finding all of the voices that work together in just the right degree to make the story work. So now that we know our problem, we need to ask ourselves: what's the solution to the problem? How is the cause of the problem dealt with? Hmm. How are we going to reverse that state of misfortune that we were developed earlier now? This is a really important question to ask yourself and to ask a corollary to it. Unless you're writing a high fantasy or some science fiction stories, this is also true. It may be the case that the state of misfortune, that the actual problem is not resolvable. Especially if you're writing a horror story or something like that. If, for example, the scourge of your world is death, well, it it would be rather odd if at the end of our story, all of our characters lived forever and the world is now immortal and death has finally been defeated. There's some ways you can go to make a story like that work, but more than likely, they're not going to be able to actually defeat that level of a villain. If our scourge is injustice, Yes, we may be able to end the state of misfortune or the injustice that our story is specifically about, but we have to be careful not to make it seem like, and now all is grand with the world and all injustice has been dealt with. That feels fake, that feels hollow, that feels empty. But regardless of whether or not the actual state of misfortune or the problem that exists in your world is actually solvable, there has to be a solution to it. It may be one that's virtually unattainable. It may be one that's actually unattainable. It may just be something that gives the characters in the world hope. But you need to come up with a solution. Or what is the point of the story? And yes, I've watched those Russian films where all is lost and all is bleak and everything comes to an end. I've read my Dostoyevsky I, I know that those stories exist and they can work just fine. They don't require a lot of world building. If we are going to be doing the work to build our world, then there has to be something that motivates our characters, something that motivates them to try to make a difference. Because even if that's all our story is about, is trying to make it better, then there is at least hope. And a good example of this, though he was... He had problems, and I don't want to hear about the problematic nature of H.P. Lovecraft, because I know, and we've talked about it on the podcast in the past, and we'll talk about it in the future, but even in his radically nihilistic cosmicism, he still had hope in the world. Yes, we're never going to defeat the Great Old Ones. Yes, they are infinitely more powerful than us. Yes, they will eventually drive us mad and destroy us all. But the characters still believed that they might be able to do something. That if they could only, if they could only. And each character had their own reason and their own explanation. But you can see it in Howard Carter. You can see it in many of the characters, especially in Howard Carter. Yeah, Randolph Carter, sorry. Do that all the time. You can see that in Carter. You can see it in some of his most powerful stories. Because even if it's hopeless, even if they're going to fail at the end, then they lost something. It's still tragic because they believed they could succeed. And if you don't at least have that belief in there, it's not tragedy. It's not. If life is short, life is and soon it will be over, then there's no tragedy. It's just a matter of fact. It's terrible. It's bad. And that's just the way of things. So coming up with a solution, even if it's an impractical solution or an improbable solution, it's important to figure it out now. This is also imp- <laughs> it's such a vital thing to do because you've seen this. In many a TV series, especially in a TV series, where they concoct a problem, and you can tell that they didn't think that they were going to have to solve it. You can see this with Lost, for example. Lost is probably the penultimate example of this going wrong. They concocted a problem. They're all on the island. They're all lost. But where are they? Why are they there? What's actually going on? What is the solution to the problem? Nobody thought it through. Nobody thought it through. So when you get to the final episodes, it it cannot make sense. Because you have to find a way to sew together all of that mishmash in a way that it just won't fit together. It's, It's the Gilligan's Island problem. You see, the premise of the show was to have everybody lost and marooned on the island so we could tell our jokes and have our funny moments. They never thought about how they might get rescued or what things might be like after that. And that's a problem. So having a solution, even if it's not like the perfect solution that you're going to actually use, having at least the basis of it now, this early in the project, you, you have some hope, right? Voyager, while it did many things wrong, one of the things that I got right is right from the beginning, Janeway says it, we will look for wormholes and subspace inversions and technology that we can use to make it home quicker. There's the solution to the problem. It's right there. It's stated right from the beginning. And what do you know? That's how they get home. Sorry, spoiler alert for Voyager, but that happened such a long time ago. Just watch it. 709 is great. Um, <laughs> couple of the other characters do. But Seven or Nine is great. But there you go. You have it right at the beginning. And so the end... Whether you like how they pull it off... And to me, time travel... Is, is, I'm not a fan. Unless, unless you're Doctor Who... Just leave the time travel alone. Especially if you're Star Trek. Star Trek needs to just ignore the time travel. I'm done with Star Trek time travel. they it drives me crazy every time. But still... It made sense. The seed was there at the beginning. It's there at the end. You can see that also in the way that they wrapped up Deep Space Nine. You can see how they tried to make it a thing in the way they wrapped up TNG, but all good things. All good things. I mean, yeah. Anywho. Figure it out now. And like I said, you don't have to have the specifics of it worked out but just a general idea. How could this end? How could they make it better? How could everything be fixed? Next, you need to figure out your hero. Now, the hero is more or less synonymous with the ego that we created in the last step, but taken one step further. Our hero is the one who will Sacrifice everything and take all the risks to get to the other side, to solve the problem. Now again, this is where we can start narrowing in on an individual or stay up at the group line. In Star Wars, our hero is the Jedi. Whoever the Jedi is, they're the hero. In um, Star Trek, with the exception of Picard, which is a rare bird in and of itself... But with the exception of Picard, the hero is the Federation or the hero is the ship itself. But I think you could make a model like this for Star Trek in general and just say it's the Federation. And then when we do our story focus later, plug in the the ship in question in that circle. That's our hero. Who is going to be doing the sacrificing? Who is going to be getting there? Next is our inauthentic state. Now, the inauthentic state is the state that our hero finds themselves in at the beginning of the story. This is either because they are incomplete, their life has become stagnant, maybe they're not fully aware of the problem. Many stories start off with our heroes not even realizing that they are existing in a state of misfortune. That... They've lived this way their entire lives and just accepted it as normal and didn't realize that there was another way. Now, don't confuse your inauthentic state for your state of misfortune. They're not generally necessarily even related to each other. To go back to Star Wars, for an example, as we've been doing a lot, Luke Skywalker's inauthentic state is that... He lives on a farm out in the middle of nowhere, on a moisture farm out in the middle of nowhere. He wants to get away. He doesn't really understand what's going on in the Empire. And in fact, if you actually pay attention to the to A New Hope, he's planning to join the Empire. He's wanting to go to the Academy. That's the Academy, the Imperial Flight Academy. That's where he was intending on going. He doesn't understand. He's living in this inauthentic state. He doesn't understand that he has access to the Force. He doesn't understand that the Force exists. He doesn't know that his father was Anakin Skywalker, this great general in the Clone Wars, this Jedi of legendary status. He doesn't know any of that. And all of that together makes his inauthentic state. Aang in Avatar The Last Airbender, one of the best shows ever. If you have not seen it, watch it. It ticks all these boxes so well. Aang starts the series in an in, inauthentic state in that he blames himself for what the Fire Nation did. Because he freaked out, because he didn't want to be the Avatar, because he freaked out and ran, he blamed himself for everything. It was all his fault. And since he ran and he didn't finish his training, he was not ready. To take on the Fire Nation. He was not ready to be the Avatar, especially now that the world desperately needed him. And so, so much of what we watch in that series is him dealing with either his own inauthentic state to become the Avatar that he needs to be, which he doesn't do until he meets the Dragon Turtle, or dealing with this state of misfortune as best as he can. With the powers available to him. And our episodes alternate back and forth between dealing with his state of his authentic state or the state of misfortune of the world. Back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And that makes for the story, and that makes for the drama, and that makes for the characters to come alive. So don't just let yourself cop out here. Like a lot of. Remember when everything was a copy of The Hunger Games? See, her inauthentic state was that she didn't think highly, Katniss didn't think highly of herself. She didn't recognize what a good hunter she was and what a good leader she was and all of these great qualities that she had. That was her inauthentic state. Her state of misfortune was that she lived in Pan Am and Everything was terrible and they were being controlled by this nasty elite, made them sacrifice people through the Hunger Games. That's the state of misfortune. Her personal inauthentic state, she couldn't see what good she had in her life because everything was bad. Everything was horrible and she knew it. And her mother wasn't able to help out and everything was on her shoulders and she just felt that burden so much she couldn't see what she was capable of doing. And that was her inauthentic state. Think about all of those clones that came out. The inauthentic state of that they assigned to their heroes was the same one that existed in the world. The Maze Runner. It, our heroes inauthentic state? Yeah, technically, it was that whole mind wipe racy thingy, I guess, sort of. But really, when you pay, when you see the story play out, his inauthentic state as he was thrown in the maze, like everyone else, is the state of misfortune. <laughs> so, so make sure that they complement each other, but they're not the same thing. And last but not least, even though I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it, is the marvelous element. Now this is the thing without which the problem cannot be solved. It is what reverses the state of misfortune. Now, this should not be a MacGuffin. Remember, a MacGuffin, by definition, is something that nobody cares about. So it is not a MacGuffin. The One Ring is not the marvelous element. It is the courage, the courage and bravery of a hobbit to endure all that Frodo endures to throw it into the Mount Doom to destroy the ring. That's the Marvelous Element. The Marvelous Element is the Holy Grail. The Marvelous Element is the vaccine that will cure the zombie outbreak. The Marvelous Element is learning what it really means to bring balance to the Force. When Luke puts down his lightsaber, And realizes, if I kill him, I will fall to the dark side. There has to be another way. That's the the marvelous element. It's the thing that reverses everything. It could be a state of mind. It could be a power that a character gets. It could be an item. But if it's an item, it has to be symbolic. And the journey to get it has to reveal its importance and its power. And technically, now, we've talked about everything except for the actual passage that we're going to go through. So in our next episode, we're going to give an overview of the steps in the passage, which is a cycle that we're going to send our characters through up and down, down and up, up and down, up and down, in an infinite loop, and it can loop as many times as you need it to, as long as you've built your cycle well, then we'll talk about our story focus and what that is. And you know what? We've covered all of the basics, and we can dig in deep and start world building. I mean, hardcore world building, (laughs) the nitty gritty, the juicy stuff that everyone thinks about when they do world building. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did and you have any questions, comments or topics you'd like to hear addressed on the show in the show notes, you'll find a link to the voice message system. Keep it short, keep it clean so I can use it on the show. I would love to hear from you. You can also hit me up on Twitter and Instagram. I am C Dorset on both. You can find links to everything that I do over at projectshadow.com. Okay. In the same show notes, if you can help at all, um you'll find a link to both listener support and my patreon thank you to everybody who already does that if you don't have any money right now that's perfectly understandable most of us don't but if you know somebody you think would like what i do please share this podcast with them or anything that i do that helps out so much all righty until next time stay safe stay well And don't forget to have the fun. Bye.